This episode brought to you by Audible, and today you can receive a free audiobook and 30-day free trial by visiting audibletrial.com slash sports. Listen to your audiobook anywhere, anytime. Taking sports to another level. Welcome to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Exploring the latest headlines and going behind the scenes with in-depth interviews, hearing personal stories and the impact of sports in their lives. Here's your host, Richmond Weaver. What time is it? This is episode 48. I am your host, Richmond Weaver, and glad you're listening through whatever format that might be. And thanks for being an investor by investing your time to listen. A key metric in measuring someone's career and their success, especially in sports these days, is the term longevity, which is simply defined as long existence or service. But with that longevity, there's also this concept of sustained excellence, where it's not just a measure of time, but also how well you perform during that time. And this holds true for our guest in this episode, Nick Schultz, who recently ended a 15-year NHL career where he played in 1,069 games. And if you think that's a huge accomplishment, then you're right, because it is. There's only been about 300 players in the NHL to have done that since the NHL officially started in 1917. Nick was drafted in the 2000 NHL entry draft by the expansion team, the Minnesota Wild, and would spend 10 years in Minnesota helping the Wild reach the Western Conference Finals in 2004 before being traded to the Edmonton Oilers and then was a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets before finishing up the last three years of his career with the Philadelphia Flyers as a defenseman. Nick also won two gold medals with Team Canada during the Men's World Hockey Championships in 2004 and 2007, which only further exemplifies this sustained excellence throughout his career. And now, episode 48 with Nick Schultz. Well, Nick, you're the first hockey guy I've had on the podcast, so it's a badge of honor that I get to talk to you, sir. Yeah, perfect. This will be great. Looking forward to it. Yeah, same here. And I guess one of the first things that I wanted to talk about is, you know, basically this time two years ago, you play in your 1,000th game for your career, and you're honored in Philadelphia with a ceremony, and they present you with a silver stick. So now that your son is into playing hockey, and I know you're doing some coaching with that, how many times do you hear him and his friends ask, come on, Dad, let us play with the silver stick? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I got it kind of tucked away in the, the basement bar or whatever, but it's... Uh... It's something that was very, uh, you know, cool honor. It's something that I was fortunate to play, uh, play for that long um, in the NHL. It's something with guys with injuries and just the way it works. It's, it's, uh, you know, I was very fortunate and blessed to play for, play for that long. And it was great to have my family there for the game and, and come on the ice and and uh, be a part of that uh, presentation or whatever. So something that was very, uh, very cool. And now I get to, like you said, help. Uh, coach my son's team a little bit and pass on some of the knowledge that I've uh, gained over the years. So That's right. And in all seriousness, I know you've had a little bit of time to reflect, but how much have you really reflected back on your career now, it, realizing just how special it is to play in over a thousand games as there's only about 300 players or so that have done that? Yeah, it is for sure. Definitely. You look back and it's uh, it's tough when it's, when it's over because you feel like you can still, uh, still keep going, still keep playing, but you look back and 
like you said, I got a chance to play for uh, over a thousand games in 15 years in the in the league. So I feel pretty pretty fortunate, pretty blessed to be able to have done that. Um, and just a matter of you know playing consistent and getting a chance to, to play for that long and not having any you know crazy serious injuries that kind of kept me out for a long period. So that uh, that definitely helped, and it was uh, it was a fun ride while it uh, while it lasted. What type of injuries did you have? If they it sounds like they were just minor, but what were some of the things that did uh, sideline you for periods of time? Uh, I did bow had a little concussion issue one year at the end of the year. Had some problems problems with that uh, knees, shoulders, just kind of typical uh, injuries that hockey players get just from playing a playing a contact sport. But I didn't have anything too uh, too serious uh, with that. Like I said, that kept me on a long period of time, just kind of banged up like like most of the guys are throughout a throughout a long season so but just nothing no major surgeries or things like that where you where guys kind of miss you know extended periods of time so and transitioning from your playing days I know several athletes that I've talked to on this podcast and interviewed they've talked about you know players having difficulty transitioning out of their playing career and now for you you're still relatively new to transitioning out of a 15-year career so how are you working through the transition yeah, it's definitely tough. It's it's hard. Uh, like you said, you're used to doing one thing for for so long, and and being a drink with the guys, and and playing, and traveling, and doing uh, doing stuff like that. But I think it helps for myself. I have a young young family, and have missed out on a lot being playing the last um, 15 years or 10 years since my son's been been born. So it's uh, it's kind of nice to be around and, and be around and watch watch them and and be a part uh, you know more part of their lives um, throughout their school year and stuff when generally i'm uh i'm gone so that's been that's been nice and it's uh you know helping transition from not playing just like i said having being around my son's team and helping coach and still be involved in the game and out on the ice during their practices and stuff i think has really helped help fill the void i think you got to try to find something to to fill your time and keep your keep your mind occupied until you find something uh something else a little more more serious to kind of keep you keep you moving forward yeah and so what are the other things that you're trying to do right now other than spending obviously time with the family and you know, helping your son with his hockey uh, beginning. Yeah, it's been, other than that, it's been pretty, pretty quiet. Just uh, trying to stay in shape. You're used to, used to training and working <laughs> out. So I'm still trying to, trying to do that and keep up with, uh, keep up with that. And then just, yeah, if it's uh, something down the road, if it's, you know, staying involved in the game in, in some aspect, um, if it's with a, with a team or whatever it may be, just trying to look at different, different avenues that way and try to find something that, uh, that fits and makes sense for my, myself and my family. So you've obviously been playing hockey for a long time, like we mentioned, 15 years in the NHL. So there had to be a starting point. So can you share with us your childhood and just how you gravitated sports at an early age? Yeah, so myself, I grew up in a small town in Saskatchewan, uh, in Canada, which is out uh, western part of of Canada, in a, in a town of about 800 people. So it was uh, something where they had long, long cold winters, and everyone there um, played hockey. I had two older brothers that I looked up to and and wanted to be like, and just everyone there, all my friends, and everyone in town for the most part played uh, played hockey in the winter, baseball in the summer. Um, so that's just kind of what I did as a, as a kid and, and lived there and, and grew up there until I was about 15. And then I moved away from home to play, uh, play hockey, um, uh, I made triple a, and then 16, I started playing, playing junior hockey until I was drafted and, and playing in the NHL at, uh, at 19. So it was, uh, I grew up in a small town. It's, uh, it was something that was, that was special and something where you learn a lot of, um, you know, small town, just, uh, 
you know, good uh, values and morals and stuff that I've, you know, still kind of hold with me today. And so your brothers, were they, I know you mentioned you looked up to them. So were they also a source of motivation for you to try to excel and be better than them? Yeah, I think always as a as the youngest sibling, whatever it is, if it's whatever sex it is or it doesn't matter, I think you always kind of look up to your older siblings and try to compete with them. And I think as a younger one, you're always kind of the the toughest one and the, just because you're always used to getting used to getting beat on and things like that with two, <laughs> two older brothers. And like I said, you're always trying to keep up and compete with them. And they're obviously much, much better than, than me growing up and stuff. So it was always, always fun to have that. And I would play with their friends, whatever, if we were playing football or playing anything, we were always kind of together and competing against older, um, older kids and stuff, which I think, uh, I think helps. And did you initially fall more in love with hockey than any of the other sports that you were playing? I think just in, in Canada where we grew up, it's just it's something where you don't have. I know living out on the East Coast, there's more opportunity for kids in in other sports and spring sports and fall sports. Just in in Canada, in the area I grew up in, it was seems like it transitions from summer to to winter so quickly. There's not the the kind of seasons in between. So it's something where hockey was the the big sport, and it was just it was cold there, and and you went out and uh, played if it was on the outdoor outdoor rink or you know throughout the the season we had probably seven eight months of winter so you had to you know that was just kind of the the most common sport in uh in the canadian culture so that's just you know what like i said me and most of my friends friends played and then were a part of so how much of was playing outdoor versus indoor hockey growing up in canada i think yeah outside obviously we played we played a lot which is fun i think it's it's nice for kids to have that where they can just go and and explore and do what they want and not have so much uh so much structure if you're practicing and doing things um when you're with the team it's nice to have that uh ability to just go out and, and play and try uh try different things uh on an outdoor rink but we obviously being in a small town had had a lot of opportunity you know to play indoors as well at our rink and, and games and and things uh and things like that so i think i had a little bit of the best of, of both worlds moving away though at from home at the age of 15 how are you prepared to be away from family and friends from your growing up in a you know kind of a small knit community yeah it was uh it was tough i was fortunate i moved away with a couple kids from my hometown i played on the on the same team and lived with uh lived with one of those one of those guys and we had the same billet family which was nice so we were there um, we were together so i think that helped the transition but definitely it was tough at 15 it's a young young age and being away from your your family and, and i think i was in the town a few hours away so it was uh obviously got a chance to see my parents lots they came up and watch games and visit uh, but it's still you're not uh not at home like you're like you're used to so it's definitely a transition and something that makes you uh, kind of fast track and, and grow up in a hurry when you're kind of living on your on your own a little bit and is that just the normal process in canada that's just the natural progression that you would move away like that and be on a team and progress from there yeah i guess in my in my case just because i lived in such a small town i had to um, at that point i had to move away just to, to play more competitive hockey where some kids obviously live in larger centers and can probably play on teams uh in their city if they were in a larger larger center but just myself personally i wasn't i didn't have that capability i had to had to move away and to play um, to play better hockey or more competitive hockey. So I think yeah, in Canada there's there's kids that go the Canadian Junior route, and uh, you can also go um, the college route, the U.S. college route, which I think you see more kids doing now in the area we're living here in the East Coast. It's a you know great opportunity, lots of great schools around here, and great uh, great hockey programs to you know to get your education and also play play great uh, great hockey in some of these uh, college programs. 
So speaking of that, college hockey in America, it seems to be continuing to become more popular with, you know, there's more recognition right now to, you know, for the Frozen Four and such. But, you know, from your standpoint, when you're growing up in Canada, especially during your childhood, what was the perception of college hockey in America and what is it today? Yeah, I think it's it's hard because you're kind of a kid what you're exposed to. For for us, uh, when we were kids, I was exposed to, to junior hockey and the Western Hockey League is where I where I played and wanted to play, and I think uh, it's just kind of where you're living and the exposure that you have. Now living on the East Coast, kids are more exposed to college hockey. There's uh, U.S. Junior League now, I think, is, is picking up, and there's it's great hockey, and kids are, are playing that as well, but they're also, you know, playing that and then going the college route. Um, so I think it's just kind of what you're what you're exposed to and what makes uh, what makes sense. I think it's always nice. Uh, if you have your education to fall back on, it doesn't for myself personally, it worked out, but there's a lot of kids I, I played with that played junior hockey and, and didn't get drafted and didn't turn pro. And then all of a sudden you're kind of looking for, for what you're going to do next. So it's nice if you can play college hockey and if it, you know, if it's in your, you know, cards to, to play pro and, and move on, it's great. If not, you, you know, you have your education, you have something to, to fall back on and still kind of move forward. Would that be your advice to young players today and even maybe your son, if he's showing the potential to be at that elite level, would you give him that same type of advice? Yeah, I think so. I just think it's hard. It's, it's tough um, at a young age to know what you what your path is going to be but I think like I said that just leaves more more doors open more opportunities if you have that and you can go the the college road it gives you you know a longer time to to mature and develop um you know physically and you know just emotionally everything I think it just helps uh if you have that and have that uh experience I think that's a great great path I think you know Canadian juniors are a great great league but I just think it's uh it's hard sometimes if it doesn't uh doesn't work out where you kind of move uh move from there if hockey's not uh not going to work out so when did the dream of the NHL become very prominent for you that that was going to be your sole focus? Uh, I guess probably when I, when I turned 17 uh, is when my draft year was in the NHL and you get, uh, you know, central scouting comes out and there's the rankings and things like that of, of who's going to get drafted or who's in, you know, top whatever to get, uh, get picked. So I guess that's where it becomes kind of a little more um, real that you're going to get picked and you're going to be on a team, but then obviously there's lots of kids that get get drafted uh, to teams in any professional league and, and don't make it. So I mean, I think that's just kind of the first first stepping stone. But I think that was the first step for me, or first kind of you know understanding that I had an opportunity and was going to get uh, going to get drafted and have uh, an opportunity to play. You know, if I if I worked hard and, and everything kind of fell fell in line. And obviously you got to get a, an opportunity too. It's not just you know there's some great players that don't make it, just that don't get the the right opportunity, the right time. And, um, you know, I think everything just kind of fell in place for me. And I imagine your parents had to make large commitments as well and sacrifices. So how impactful were your parents in your development and making it to the NHL? Yeah, I think obviously kids are, you know, you're a byproduct of your, of your parents. So I think my parents, my dad was a a grain farmer. My mom worked at the, the bank, um, in town, they're just hardworking, hardworking people. We didn't have a lot of money, and they had to work uh, extremely hard for, for me and my brothers to to play sports. Hockey's not a you know a cheap sport with all the equipment and travel and everything that uh, that goes into it. So I think they really sacrificed a lot of their their time and money, which a lot of parents parents do for their kids. But um, definitely, it was it was big to to have them and have their support. And my dad coached me a lot as a as a young kid. Me and my brothers, he was just. Um, a great hockey mind and just someone that I learned, I learned a lot from, you know, about the game of hockey and how to, 
how to play it the play it the right way. So I mean, obviously they were a big big part of that, and and you know the reason why I probably made it on. And this work ethic that you've had to enable you to not only make it to the NHL but also play for 15 years is that just part of your DNA that and comes from your background and, and your parents and their work ethic? Yeah, I think so. I think it it um, there's lots of guys that that make it and and play a year, play two years, and, and something happens. Like I said, I was fortunate about the injuries, but they're obviously. Um, you know, there's always guys coming up and trying to trying to take your spots. You got to be prepared. You got to be, you know, obviously always physically fit, taking care of yourself. If it's eating properly, sleeping properly, it's it's tough as a as a kid coming out when your friends might be out partying, doing things like that. There's a lot of sacrifices you have to make to be a to be a professional athlete and be be smart about it. Um, so I think there's there's a lot of things that that factor in, and definitely hard work because everybody. Uh, that plays a sport or that's playing hockey wants to if they want to make it it's um, you know it's a long long path and there's a lot of uh, a lot of hard work that goes into it and, and dedication and commitment to the to the sport and making sure you're doing the doing the right things yeah and how did you develop into uh, being a defenseman uh, just as a young as a young kid growing up um, just in my town there was not a lot of kids that could skate backwards so that was <laughs> kind of the reason why I started started playing defense and there was only I think we only had three or four kids on the team that that played defense so then uh, you know you got to play pretty much half the half the game so it was uh, something where my dad you know was out on the ice more and got a chance to, to play more we had more forwards on the team than defensemen obviously so it's nice to to be on the ice more and I just always kind of stuck uh stuck with it and, and started kind of playing that, that position at a at a young age and just uh, learned how to play from back there and just kind of always kind of stuck with it so yeah well obviously you found your niche but was there a part of growing up were there times where you wanted to be on offense and be a forward uh I think there was a little bit yeah there was just uh, I think you can still be you know play play offense from being a defenseman so I think that's always as a young kid you always had that where you could rush the puck up and, and do that. And I think whatever level you play at, you kind of find your your role. And as I went along, uh, I was still, you know, put up some points in junior and stuff. When I turned pro, you realize, you know, what type of player you have to be at the professional level. There's a lot of guys that can that can play and be offensive uh, in junior coming up through college and stuff. But when you get to the professional level, it's quite a different uh, different game. Um, and through Jacques Lemaire, the coach I had first, he just kind of molded me into a – kind of a defensive defenseman and just kind of worked uh worked for me and I learned what uh how I had to play to to be successful and, and stay in the league so you mentioned Jacques Lemaire who was your first coach in the NHL after you're drafted by the Minnesota Wild but this was an expansion team in the 2000 NHL entry draft so how difficult was that transition to the NHL with an expansion team yeah, I think definitely it helped. Uh, the first year of the team, when I was 18, I didn't make it. Went back to junior, and then the second year, I ended up making it as a 19-year-old. Um, and obviously, it was uh, them, like you said, being an expansion team. They didn't have a bunch of draft years picks from from previous years past, so there wasn't a, a ton of prospects. So I probably made it probably a year or two earlier than if I was in another um, another franchise. But it was um, it was great. It was a great experience. Minnesota was a great place for for hockey um and i just think it's there was still some great uh, great pieces on their great players that are playing on other teams that were part of the expansion draft um that came there and, and formed that first uh, first team and then while having doug risebrow as the general manager jock lemaire mike ramsey was another coach uh so these guys were just great um you know hockey guys smart smart hockey you know coaches and just it really helped uh 
you know, kind of for me as a player early on, but it was definitely, uh, you know, a rocky road at the, at the start when you first come in and try to figure out how to, how to play and be successful at the, at the pro level. But it was something where you, a lot of great, uh, great learning experiences that kind of build you as a, as a player and a person. So how was that first game that you actually take the ice in the NHL for Minnesota? Describe that feeling that you're having, knowing that you've put in all of this hard work and now you're in the NHL playing. Yeah, it was pretty special. It was uh, I played my first game against the Edmonton Oilers, which was which was cool for me because that was a team I grew up cheering for as a as a kid. So that was uh, it was pretty special and just kind of you know a neat feeling to step on the ice and, and know that you've kind of you've kind of made it and you're you're there. Um, and then, like I said, it's obviously a long ways to to go to to stay there and, and consistently play. But it was yeah special growing up, just knowing that. That was your dream to, to play in the NHL and to kind of finally come through and to get a chance to play it against Edmonton was, was pretty special. And were you ever able to play against some of the people that you looked up to growing up? Yeah, I got a chance to play. Mark Messe was with the uh, Rangers at the time. Um, some of the guys that I just, yeah, like he's just hard when you, as a kid, you grow up playing against these guys and all of a sudden you're out on the ice uh, on the ice against him was pretty uh, pretty special. He was probably one of the guys, like I said, just from cheering for the Oilers, uh, getting a chance to, to play against him. He was such a, a great player and great uh, great leader. Um, and it was it was neat. He was one of the probably the top guys that I got a chance to, to play with. That I really you know uh, or play play against that I really got a chance to you know that I cheered for as a kid. Yeah, and what about uh, who's been the best hockey player that you've actually played against? Oh boy, there's a lot. Uh, Oh yeah, Sidney Crosby is uh, is pretty special. Patrick Kane. There's lots of guys, lots of offensive guys in the league that are just uh, you know Ovechkin. These guys all have different ways that they can beat you. Some guys their shot. Some guys uh, McDavid now this speed. There's lots of you know high end players. It's the it's the best league in the world. So there's lots of you know each team probably has three four guys that are are their their top guys that are are very dangerous and it's tough to tough to play the position when you got those guys in the other um, other team there that. Um, that's special with yeah, Crosby and and Patrick Kane. All these guys are were pretty special players and always you know tough to tough to play against. One of the things that is very unique about hockey, even at the highest level, is this concept of fights and how it's just part of the game and how it's accepted and a way to police itself. And you could just have a fight and just move on and keep playing. And that's just part of the game, as I said. And But coming from a guy that really wasn't familiar with hockey, me growing up in the South. So are you guys practicing how to actually fight on skates? Because that just seems very difficult. Yeah, I think it's, it is definitely different than if you're, you know, on your, you know, on skates definitely makes it a lot different, the balance and, and, and things like that to that nature fighting is it's definitely not uh not easy i know some guys that that's uh, you know when i was coming up that they were just fighters and they you know obviously that's what they did and that's how they had to had to make it i think now you see less and less of that with the knowledge of head injuries and i don't think there are as as many um you know probably tough guys on each each team when i first came in there's probably two or three guys on a team now you're lucky some of these teams you know don't even have have one tough guy they have some guys that can you know maybe fight if they have to stick up for uh, a teammate on their on their team but i think there's less and less of it now just with the head injuries and all that um, going on in, in sports and the knowledge of that and and, and how it affects you long term so um i think there's less and less of that but i think it's it's definitely something yeah you just kind of when you first start fighting it's just you know kind of almost you know not trial and error but you're on the ice and you just try to you know if you get in one that's how you kind of learn and you just 
you know, kind of something develop, uh, you know, knowing the balance and how to how to hold on and and different things like that. But it's it's something where I think there's guys that if that was their if that was their role, they definitely did did practice it or watch watch video on it and make sure they knew what they were doing or who they were going up against. And how many fights did you get in in your NHL career? You know what? I don't even know. Maybe probably maybe ten, twelve fights. I'm not okay. even sure. Something like something like that. Not a lot. I definitely wasn't. Uh, wasn't part of my game, but it's uh, it's something that yeah, it's, for a while there, like I said, we had a few guys. There's a few tough guys on each team that were you know pretty pretty tough guys, heavyweight guys that uh, that could fight. And I think now it's it's changed a little bit uh, throughout the league. Now you see more more skill and, and guys there that can um, you know on those on those third and fourth lines that uh, that can play more in there. I mean, you know, smaller guys with more speed and skill. I think now. Do you think that fighting will at one point? just not be part of the game anymore uh i'm not sure i don't think so i think it's it's tough i think it's always kind of been always been part of the game now there's you know there's no um the instigator rules uh in effect now so a guy can't just go on and grab somebody um you know so it's got to kind of be two two willing guys that are gonna gonna fight um but i think it's it's something just to kind of it's almost there to police the game a little bit and and the guys can kind of have something you can't go around and, you know, cheap shot and another guy on the other team and not have to, you know, kind of pay for it or not pay for it, but stand up and, and kind of and back it up. So I think that kind of helps having that aspect in the game. But I think there's definitely less and less of it uh, now, but I don't know if it'll ever get to the point where it'll be, you know, kind of non-existent. When you were growing up in the junior leagues, is that even talked about fighting and stuff, or does that happen even at the earlier ages like that? Uh, yeah, I think come junior, uh, probably not so much in midget. Junior, definitely there was a lot of a uh, lot of fighting in in junior for sure. So there's, uh, like I said, there's there's kids there that are trying to trying to make it, trying to get to the next level. If they don't have a lot of skill, maybe that's it's part of the part of their game and and something that a team's looking for. So maybe they had it, uh, you know, that's something that they that they did in junior, so they would get get noticed and, and get drafted and try to make it to the the next level. So I think there was guys that that did it, and there was. You know, definitely a lot of it, uh, a lot of it in junior, probably more so back then than there is now. So going back to your playing days, especially in Minnesota, and you reached the Western Conference Finals in the 2002-2003 season, and then Anaheim sweeps you. So describe that feeling of the euphoria of being in the Western Conference Finals, knowing that you're that close to making it to the Stanley Cup Finals. But then being swept like that. Yeah, it was a little bit of a Cinderella run for us. We were, you know, kind of snuck into the into the playoffs. No one kind of expected us uh, as an early expansion team to get into the into the playoffs. And then we had two our first two rounds. We were down three uh, one against Colorado, and then against Vancouver, and came back and and won uh, two game sevens to make it to the Western Conference Finals. And it was just it was such a I said Cinderella run for our team, and then it kind of ended pretty abruptly against the against the Ducks so something where you're that that close to myself as a as a young kid uh 20 21 whatever it was at the at the time it was something that was was pretty special and something that you don't realize till it's done how hard it is to to get there and and how close you are to getting to the getting to the finals and it didn't uh, didn't work out but I mean I played 15 years and that was the the closest I came to getting to the the finals you kind of realize once it's all said and done you know how special it was and and how how close you were but it is uh it is tough when you have a couple you know tough series like that winning seven games and then you get get swept and it's over and in a week and you're and you're kind of done you're kind of looking back wondering wondering what happened 
I, I can only imagine. And another thing that I, I think fans don't ever really comprehend is the the concept of being traded. No one, say at Microsoft one day, gets a phone call saying, hey, you've been traded to Google and you need to move and report tomorrow. So when you were traded from Minnesota, a place that uh, I've read that you really loved, how did that affect you? Yeah, it was tough. I mean, I've been there for for 10 years, uh, playing there for 10 years when I got uh, traded Trade at the deadline. I wasn't, uh, yeah, I wasn't expecting it. Uh, and it's tough when you have a young, young family. So I had three, three young kids, and all of a sudden you got to go home, pack your bags, and you're on a plane uh, in that night or the next, the next morning, and you just kind of uh, move on. So it's, it's tough. And then you know to be away from here at the, at that point, uh, my family stayed in Minnesota, and I moved to moved to Edmonton to finish that year a couple months, and they came to visit a little bit. But then you're, yeah, in transition mode, and you're selling a place in one city and, and moving uh moving somewhere else so it can be can be tough it can be tough on on families when you have kids and um and everything it makes it uh makes it more more difficult than if it's a single guy that gets uh gets traded but regardless it's it's tough especially when you're used to playing in a city and love being in a certain place and you you're used to that and then all of a sudden you get uprooted and you can be moving moving across the across the country so it makes it uh makes it difficult but it's something that I think makes you at the end end of the day makes you stronger and it's something that's all all part of playing professional sports you see guys getting getting moved around it's all uh, all part of the journey yeah and when you get into the NHL is that just a mindset that you have knowing that it could happen any day that you're traded yeah exactly I think myself being in Minnesota that long you get you get comfortable and it's it's something that you just you thought it was never going to happen to you kind of thing that's why I think when it happens the first time then it kind of sinks in that hey this is uh this is real and we're we're moving and it's uh it's something that uh and then it happened again a couple of years later for us um and then ended up moving out to Philly for the end of our career. So it's something that once it once it happens it definitely sinks in and it's uh a little more realistic and you you're kind of fearing that a little bit more than I think when, at the start when you have that comfort level of, of being in one place for so long. Now, why did you decide to move to Philly to jump on board with the Flyers? Uh, just that at the end of uh, my contract, the Oilers, I got traded to Columbus, finished the year, uh, the year there, and I was aged in the summer, and, and Philly was just a team that was uh, that was interested. Um, Ron Hextall had called me and just uh, – you know, he was his days when he was in LA and scouting there and working for the Kings. The team he play a lot uh, with Minnesota and Edmonton being in the Western Conference, and he just uh, uh, liked me as a player and wanted me to come uh, sign for a year here in Philly. And the year went went uh, went pretty well, and then I ended up getting another another two years. So we spent three years here in, um, in Philadelphia, which was uh, was great, great place to play, great fans. It was just uh, you know we really uh, really enjoyed it, and that's why we came back here this year to live. Uh, live here with our kids and stuff till we figure out uh, what we're going to do next. And so how was it, though, in terms of from the fans' perspective and how different it was? Because I've always heard Philadelphia fans are very rabid about their hockey, and we know that. Uh, I know they're not the quote-unquote state team because you've got the Pittsburgh Penguins there as well, but yeah. the fan base there versus the fan base in Minnesota, how are those two different or similar? Yeah, I think I was fortunate. I played in great, uh, great hockey markets playing in Minnesota and then Edmonton and Canadian cities. Obviously, very passionate about their team, and then Philadelphia here as well. It's just a, uh, it's a great, great market, a big market that's passionate about their, about their team, about the Flyers, and it's just, it's fun to have that. It's fun as a player to go and, 
it's um, it's definitely pressure packed, but it's nice to nice to have that. It's better than when you go on a building and it's half empty and they're not really you know don't really care that much about the outcome of the game. Uh, it's nice to have fans that are passionate and 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 approach the game that way and go out and you know just want you to to see you go out and work hard and, and give it uh, give it all you got. So I think it's uh, it's fun to play in those markets in Philly. Yeah, they definitely have very very passionate fans and it's it's nice to play in front of people like that. And do you feed off of the energy of the fan and the crowd? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, they're they're a fan base that if uh, anyone that's been to a game in Philly, if the team's not doing well or things aren't going well, they let you <laughs> let you know too. So that kind of uh, a little bit too and you know that they're they're disappointed. So it's uh it's something that definitely helps out or if it's I think you know, it's nice to play in front of a knowledgeable fan that if it's something simple on the penalty kill or just anything that that kind of is done that's uh that's probably not um you know that notice they understand and and kind of you know cheer for different things that that players really uh really feed off of and i think if it's uh you know that that energy and that um you know being loud in a building goes a goes a long way now going back to that trade from minnesota to edmonton i know we talked about that that's tough and what it can do from uprooting your family but you are being traded to Edmonton, which is a team that you grew up cheering for. So was there a part of you also that was excited about going to Edmonton and being a part of that organization? Yeah, it was. It was pretty pretty special. It was, uh, it was a neat feeling to get a chance to go there and play close to home. It was probably the closest um, Canadian city uh, to, my, to my hometown. So it was pretty, pretty special to get a chance to go back and, and play there and be a part of that organization. It didn't obviously work out. We had a couple tough years there and um the Oilers last year I had a had a better year but that's had a few few down years so that was that was the hardest part just going to a team that wasn't um wasn't doing that well but definitely to play in a Canadian city and to play in Edmonton for a team like you said that I grew up cheering for and idolized a lot of a lot of guys on that uh that team Gretzky, Messier, Coffey, all the Yari Curry all these guys that played on that team was pretty special to to be in that locker room that those guys were in and get a chance to to play play in Edmonton um was very very neat for myself for sure. Now, will you think about moving back to Canada, or will you guys stay in the United States? Uh, yeah, that's kind of what we're what we're kind of fighting with right now. Just kind of what we want to do next. Like you said, you talk about guys transitioning from from playing and figure out what they're going to do next. I think we're just kind of in a transition stage, and um, where we're living now in, in South Jersey is just a, a great area for kids and, and family. Um, so you just try to look to do what's best for your yourself and your family at the time and it was uh you know best for us to come back here and and easiest for the for the kids uh to not kind of up their life again so i think we'll just kind of go from there but that's definitely an option to to go back to canada to be closer to to our family there but um you know the area where now we really uh really love and enjoy uh being here so we'll kind of just you know living a day at a time and, and yes, figure sir. out uh, what's what's next from now and do you have dual citizenship uh, we ended up. Uh, all our kids were born in uh, in Minnesota, so they have dual citizenship. And my wife and green card, so that's why we're able to still be down in the in the United States right now. So it's something you can look at. Yeah, filing for for citizenship. Um, but yeah, that's uh, definitely a, definitely an option. I just ever since I've been in Minnesota, we spent so much time in the in the U.S. It's uh, it's been great for and a lot of great uh, great opportunity for our kids here. So we'll kind of you know we got. A great opportunity to, if we want to stay here, to to be in the U.S. as well. Have you ever thought about where you would be or what you would be doing without sports and hockey? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's 
I don't know exactly where my, where my path would have taken me. Um, I definitely love now, like, getting a chance to, to work with kids again with my son's team and stuff. I always wanted to be a, be a teacher and be involved uh, in education in some way. So it's, it's definitely it's hard to say now what, it, uh, what my path would have looked like because everything kind of, you know, worked out for me and, and went, uh, you know, with playing, playing hockey and a chance to, to play for so long. But that was definitely something I, I would have loved to have, have been in, involved with, uh, with kids in some aspect, and that's why it's nice to be able to, to do that now a little bit. And what have you learned through playing sports over all of these years that has helped you in your life? I think the biggest thing is just when you play a team sport, you learn about how to, you know, really be a team player and, and, and learn. Um, you know, it's not just about, about the sport and about winning, winning and losing, but being, you know, a good, good person and a good, uh, good individual and being part of a team, I think, really, really teaches you that and, and to care for other people and the people on your team. I think it's just uh, there's a lot of great uh, – great things uh involved with being a part of a, a team and you see it you know my kids now playing soccer hockey whatever it is it's it's neat for them to have those those friendships and to build those those bonds uh through sport which i think is, is pretty uh pretty incredible living in america all these years that you've talked about and now especially living in south jersey right outside of philadelphia so have you become a uh, NFL fan, and especially with the Philadelphia Eagles right now with their excitement, where do you fall in terms of your fandom for other sports? Yeah, absolutely. I think any place we've lived, we've always kind of jumped on board with uh, with those teams. So I don't know if you call that bandwagon jumping or, or not. But obviously, <laughs> when we're in Minnesota. I love the love the Twins, love the Vikings. Um, you know, Timberwolves, kind of everything. So same with with here now and in, in Philadelphia. Yeah, we're huge uh, huge. And now, obviously, they're playing the the Vikings, so it'll be a little bit <laughs> a little torn there. But uh, I don't think I'm going to cheer for the Vikings going into Lincoln uh, Financial. You get uh, it's not going to work out well for you. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be a fun game. We have lots of friends, uh, some friends coming down from from Minnesota to to watch the game. So it'll be uh, so we'll see what uh, see what happens. Should be a good uh, good game. Yeah, very exciting times there for Philadelphia for sure. Uh, so wrapping up here, uh, Nick, um, many players uh, have talked quite openly about your presence in the locker room and being that veteran that they can turn to, not just about hockey, but also about your perspective on life and sharing words of wisdom. So what words of wisdom have meant a lot to you uh, or life advice and, and something that you would like to share? Um, I just think it's yeah, it's something where you learn from from playing for a long time, and you see young kids, uh, young kids coming up. You just can't take uh, can't take things for granted. I think that's what um, you know. Every day you got to go and and work hard and and prove your prove your spot, regardless if it's sports or whatever you're doing. You have to um, go and work hard and put in the best effort that you can. I think if if you have that and you have that uh, mentality of of hard work and not taking things for granted, know that uh, that things can change. I think that goes goes a long way and you just want to kind of instill that in some young kids coming up not to kind of get uh, get ahead of themselves and keep keep working hard and enjoy, uh, enjoy the ride whatever it may be well nick thank you for sharing that and i greatly appreciate you also just sharing your time and sharing your story and again what sports has meant to you and i know the new chapter is starting to begin with you as you're now able to spend some more time with family and everything. And I look forward to seeing what happens in the future for you. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. 
It's pretty easy to see why so many young players in the NHL looked up to Nick and viewed him as a mentor in much more than just the game of hockey, but also in life as, you know, there's just this sense of calmness and ease and just wisdom when talking with Nick. And that obviously helped him enjoy a 15-year career. And now he gets to be that rock of stability for his family and his kids as he's getting ready to explore the next phase in his life and now that his playing career is over, I know he's going to be able to focus on that. But I truly suspect that hockey and longevity will continue to be synonymous with Nick's future endeavors. Now that finishes episode 48. And remember, focus forward so we don't live in the past. All the best, everyone. You've been listening to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Visit richtakeonsports.com to subscribe and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. You can also follow us on Twitter at Rich Takes Sports. Thanks for listening.